the Baseball 365 Podcast, and here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 157 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes, and thank you for taking some time out of your day to spend with us. Uh, You can catch me on Twitter at JustinHughes365, Andrew is at AMCQ82, and our Baseball365 official Twitter account is at Baseball365Pod. And Andrew and I are back on the series we've been working on covering teams in each division. We have done all the East and Central teams from each league, and now we are heading out West, and today we're covering the American League West, where there are two very abysmal teams in this division as I was looking through them but at least there are three fun ones to cover, too. All right, Andrew, we'll get you on here. Um, It's Black Friday, so that means yesterday was Thanksgiving. How was your holiday? How was Thanksgiving? It was good. Uh, Pretty much laid on the couch, watched football, ate. Yeah, it was a good time. Spent time with family. Is that ever a bad day? Like. Eat a lot of really good food and watch football on Thanksgiving yeah. with your family. Is is I don't know how, like if you have a bad family maybe, or if you don't like football, <laughs> there are plenty of people that dread that day. But it's a beautiful day. Yeah, it's. I've always I've thought for several years it's it's my favorite holiday. It's probably if it's not my favorite, it's very close. I love it. Well, that tells me one thing: you've got a good family too, because the people like you you can almost tell who's got a good and who does not have a a great family just by the what they think of thanksgiving i think there's a lot of that to that yeah i think i think i like it because i'm not a cook so i don't have to cook typically and yeah that's i guess that's a lot of the stress that comes with like with christmas you're buying gifts Mm -hmm. it's it's just chaotic you know you got to figure out who you're buying for and Pretty much no matter who you are, that's the case. But if you can get away without having to cook on uh, Thanksgiving, that's a win. You know, I've become a cook the last few years with this. I don't think I've talked to you about this yet, but um, my now ex-wife, I actually still had Thanksgiving with her and my daughter and and her family yesterday and had a great day. Everything went great. Um, But the year before, also last year, um, she was in... England for the holiday so I had you know Thanksgiving with her family and my daughter and all that still at the house and um you know Danae she always made the green bean casserole and she had started making the sweet potato casserole and I learned how to do those over the year like the green bean one and last year I was like okay I'm gonna figure this out and I'm gonna learn how to make that sweet potato casserole and I love the cream corn casserole I just love all the ridiculously unhealthy casseroles and I threw that one was easy to do just throw in a crock pot and I made all three of them last year took the Wednesday off prepped them all had them all ready to go and then the next day did it and I did the same thing again this year so while I haven't baked a turkey, I've become pretty good at doing all the secondary dishes. So that's because nice. that's, that's a new development the last few years. Now, I will never probably ever make a turkey. Like when the day comes where I am in charge of it, I'm buying one. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't think I want to do that. But yep. have you ever had a brined turkey? Um, I don't believe so. No, I I've never heard of Not. anybody that's really had it. Um, my mother in law, ex mother in law, she brines a turkey in an apple brine, whatever it is. I don't even know what it is she does, 
it's the best turkey I've ever had. Like I've had smoked, I've had, you know, baked, anything, all these different things. Brine turkey, anybody that's had it will probably is nodding right now and agreeing. It's the best way to have a turkey. Yeah. It, here's that word that a lot of people hate it is the most moist turkey you can eat. <laughs> <laughs> Does that word bother you? <laughs> No, it doesn't bother. Like some people absolutely hate that word. There are people listening right now that are cringing and I apologize. <laughs> I won't say it twice, but yeah, brine turkey. If try to find that if, if like if there you ever have an opportunity to eat some brine turkey, do it. Okay. Let's get into this. We got five teams to talk about or maybe it's like three and two halves and we'll just call it four teams to talk about, but we're going to start off with in the AL West with the division winning Astros who went 90 and 72. They came back to win the division on the last weekend. It might have been the last day. I can't remember if it was Saturday or Sunday that weekend they they took the division after being in second place pretty much the entire season and they lost to the Rangers in the ALCS this year. Uh, looking at the business end, um, going back a couple years, their 2022 opening day payroll was 174 million. This year, going into this year, it was 179, and right now it is projected to be at 211 million. So I, I, you wouldn't think that they'll be adding much on the market this year unless they unload somebody to add somebody. But thankfully, they don't. They didn't lose many free agents either, so their team seems pretty like locked in here. When looking at the free agents this winter, they got Michael Brantley, who only played in 15 games during the regular season and then was there in the playoffs, and he made $12 million this last year. Hector Neris, he's a good, he was a good reliever for them. $8.5 million, had, had a 1.71 ERA in 68 innings, so that... That could be missed if they don't get that back. And then they had Martin Maldonado in his $4.5 million. With what might be very little payroll flexibility, the Astros, like I said, might be going into this year with a lot of their current roster being set. And I took a moment and I wrote down their roster and what it looks like on Roster Resource right now. Their lineup, um, not going to list positions, but their lineup right now is Altuve, Bregman, Jordan Alvarez, uh, Jose Abreu, Kyle Tucker, Yiner Diaz, Chaz McCormick, Jeremy Pena, Jake Myers. In their rotation, Verlander, Framber Valdez, Christian Javier, Hunter Brown, and J.P. France. And a bullpen that the four pretty good names on it, Ryan Presley, Brian Abreu, Rafael Montero, and Kendall Graveman. So seeing that roster, Andrew, are there areas that you think need addressed? Or do, does this team to you look pretty set. I think it looks pretty set. I mean, I don't think they'll go I don't think they'll go in with Jake Myers as a regular, but aside from that, I think it's pretty set. Yeah, that is you can usually like find somebody cheap to come in there like as a, you know, they don't need a star for that, but I agree with you. They might add somebody there. He put, Myers played more this year than I thought. When I looked, I was surprised because I, I I thought I wondered the same thing. And when I saw his name, I'm like, did he play much this year? But Brantley was out, so somebody must have been out there. And pulling his page right now, trying to see, but 341 plate appearances. Yeah, so he had about a half of a like 112 games played, 341 had about a half a season. It seems like of starting, but I'm with you on that. I don't know if that's that guy's going in. Uh. Let's move on to Yiner Diaz. Heck of a breakout there in 104 games, 486 plate appearances. 
He hit 282 with 23 homers. And looking back, like, I didn't pay much attention to him this year. I never had any shares, but his stat cat da- cast data looks fantastic. I only saw one real blip to his offensive game, and that's that he doesn't walk at all. 11 walks in those 377 plate appearances. That's a 2.9% walk rate. The other thing he doesn't grade out well is a pitch framer. And I'm not really an expert on that metric. That's just looking at baseball savant. And I don't know if catchers can improve if, as they gain experience, but that can hurt your playing time if you're a catcher. So he's the fifth catcher off the board in NFBC drafts right now at 122. It's a gap between him and the fourth out, the fourth catcher, who's William Contreras at 87. And it's another 21 picks on average between him and the next clump of catchers who are all within 12 picks of each other. And that would be Cal Raleigh, Sean Murphy, Salvador Perez, Gabriel Moreno, William Contreras, and Francisco Alvarez. So that was a lot. Um, where do you think Yiner is ranked? Like, I um, rephrase that. Do you think he's ranked appropriately right there? Pretty much, yeah. I think, what did you say his ADP was, 122? Yes. Um, so head of that group, um, yeah, I think he's pretty much ranked appropriately. Would you take him ahead of that cluster? Do you like? Do you think he belongs ahead of that cluster? Then I have no issue with it. I think I probably would be more likely to draft from the back of that cluster. Yeah. Then, like, take the first one. But I don't have an issue with the actual ranking. Yeah, like, is in fifth overall, and I yeah I'm. I, think I mean, I, somebody somebody has to be there, you know. Like, I mean, if you like somebody else, I think that's fine. But he's a good twenty picks on average ahead of anybody from that cluster. That's that's the part I'm wondering. Like, do you think he's top of it plus twenty picks over the rest of the guys? I mean, we're also dealing with early, not that many drafts. Yes. Yeah, I, I mean, it's. I think it it could be closer as we move forward we'll see but i i I just don't have an issue with it i think it's fine i i just probably of the group that you named off there i'd probably be more likely to snag like a guy the guy that falls of that group i guess yeah which probably wouldn't be yiner because i he's just trending up and i think he's more likely to go closer to the top of that group than the bottom yeah i don't i think wouldn't surprise me if I don't have many shares of them, and I don't say that as in I don't like them, but it's more I'd rather get somebody from the bottom of that cluster like you just said. Uh, third comment or third topic here, we got Hunter Brown, who did not have a great first full year in the majors this year, 155 innings. He went 11-13 and 13 with a 509 ERA, 178 strikeouts, 55 walks, and his ADP is 194. Do you think you'll be taking him, you know, that's, what are we talking, 13th round in many drafts this offseason as like a, you know, I guess that would be like a starting pitcher three or four. Like, do you think you'll be buying on the rebound, the possibility of a, a jump up? I wonder I wonder where he's at in terms of starting pitchers only. It's probably, let's see here, he's at like 74th pitcher. 
but you figure there's probably about 20 closers in there maybe. So maybe like yeah, 54. I mean, just ballpark I'm estimating, but yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's about right. Um, really good team, obviously a lot of strikeouts. Uh, I think he's got good amount of upside just, you know, ultimately it'll come down to the walks and the efficiency, stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I, I think he's a talented pitcher that is probably going at about the right range. Yeah. I can see it going either way I, I with him. Um, I do have a him or him game with pitchers going in his range. All of these are within 10 picks of him. Kind of just wanted to see exactly where you line him up with some of these guys. We got Bryce Miller with Seattle at 188. Uh, I think I would go with Hunter Brown. Okay. What about Braxton Garrett? Pretty much right next to him. Pretty close on those two. I think I, I think I lean Brown. Uh, this is a guy I think you took in one of your first drafts, Shane Baz. Uh, yeah, I would take Baz. I'm with you on that. Hunter Brown. Eduardo Rodriguez. Free agent right now. Yeah. That one's close. I've always kind of liked him. I'd like to I know the too. landing spot. and I think he's safer for sure. Yeah. I think with I think with Brown, you could probably lump in some of these other young guys I, with what I'm about to say, but just how you feel about your top guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of constructing a staff, you know, like if it's high risk, maybe you don't take him if it's feels solid. I mean, obviously you could say any pitcher is high risk, but you know what I mean? If you just feel like it's more solid then maybe you're kind of shooting the moon with him. Cause I do think he has a lot of upside, but um, not the most stable guy, you know, for sure. Okay. I don't even think I need to go through any more names. I think you brought a good point there. So yeah. Anybody else on the Astros you want to bring up? Oh, I mean, there's there's a lot of good, of good players, ones, but... but I think um, look, one I didn't even put Jose Abreu on here. He didn't hit a homer for his first two seasons or first two months of the season. Did play pretty well the rest of the year. What's his ADP? I'm trying to pull it up real quick. It's like around around tw- like twenty. Yeah, two seventy one. That'd be yeah, nineteen twentieth round. Eighteen. Like yeah. Do you like? You want to, Would you? Are you interested in taking him as a middle infielder? Not as a middle infielder. <laughs> but <laughs> what? You don't want him on the key, over there playing second base? So isn't that the keystone, right? Keys. But um, am I right with that? Or there might that... there might be a team in this division that would play him there. <laughs> Maybe a couple of them. Uh, when he's gone in my first couple drafts, I've I've kind of been like, yeah, I think it's. It's probably about the right spot, but I could see it going either way. I had him this year in a couple leagues, and it was pretty uh, pretty aggravating there for a while. Yeah, I bet. Honestly, looking at the list of first basemen around him, it does feel like it's about right. Like seeing what's ahead of him and behind him, I'm like, yeah, I kind of, I think he's about right. I was, spot. I had him in my main, and I was, 
I was pretty close to cutting him at one point, and probably in May. And I just remember, I remember thinking, ah, he's he's just he's still getting at bats, and he's not gonna like not get at bats. Mm-hmm. And that was why I held on to him, and he was okay. You know, it was after that, but the early part of the season was just so bad that. I mean, I definitely it definitely crossed my mind on cutting him. I did cut him. I think I've you remember in May I cut him in a daily dynasty league. I don't regret it, but he did play a lot better after the fact. <laughs> it's like right, it was probably within a couple weeks of him getting cut. I think the guy, I think he might have even sent me a trade offer back, seeing if I wanted to get him back for a pick a couple months, like a month later. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't know, or uh, that might have been Jack Flaherty, who I also released in that league. But um, anyways, I did release him, but I also on that same note, he played great the rest. He played much better, and I think he's ranked appropriately. Uh, anybody else, or do you want to move on to Texas? No, we can move on. The World Series champion of Texas Rangers went ninety and seventy-two. Uh, they pretty much ran away with the division most of the year until falling apart at the end and losing the division, but they more than made up for it in the postseason. And this team sure spent some money to get here. They went 68-94 in 2022, and they spent in that offseason two years ago. Their payroll in 2022 was $142 million, and that's actually after they spent aggressively to add Seager, John Gray, and Marcus Simeon that offseason. And then they got up to one ninety five dollars on their payroll in 2023 with the big addition being Jacob deGrom and right now their projected 2024 payroll is 206 million that's 64 million more than they spent just two and a half years ago for that 2021 roster that said they have a world series ring and brought in a lot of money to that org organization with that playoff run so they do have some free agents this offseason they got Martin Perez who made 19 million this year will smith that would be the reliever at 13.3 million jordan montgomery who was they traded for made 10 million this last year i was reading uh, there was a report coming out on friday saying that he the rangers are still really making it a priority to try to get him back jake odorizzi austin hedges brad miller mitch garber Aroldis chapman chris stratton and robbie grossman all are free agents right now so that's a lot of players who could be gone this next year. But that said, they do have a lot of cheap, controllable assets who either are coming up, just came up, I should say, or are close to coming up. Particularly particularly on the offensive end, they have some interesting ones. And Evan Carter, he was big with their playoff run. Wyatt Langford might be on the opening day roster. And then they got Dustin Harris and just, Justin Foskey both had pretty good runs in AAA. So... I wrote down the list of their roster here. I'm not going to go through them all for you, but what do you think are like needs for Texas this off season? Just, you know, they do have, they have lost some play quite a few players there. I don't know. Like, I don't feel like they have too many holes. I personally would have Wyatt Langford up opening day. And uh, not opposed to adding a pitcher. I think that it's. I mean, I know I say it every podcast, but any of these teams that are 
high-end teams especially. Um, I, I don't think there's any staff I could look at and not feel that they needed a pitcher. Mm. I definitely think that Texas could add one. Um, and, yeah, you just hope it's not the year that Scherzer falls off, Eovaldi falls off, stuff like that. I mean, Eovaldi kind of feels like he's – top of the market that he could possibly be at right now, the way he pitched in the postseason. And yeah. Like he's just had so many health issues and stuff. I, I could actually see this staff falling apart pretty quick, but um, I mean, they're, they're a really good team and what a run in the playoffs. Yeah. They could still fall apart with the rotation and still be a playoff team with that, how good their offense is. That's uh, you know, it's possible with that squad yeah. with how good it is. Uh, bullpen does seem like a thing that they could probably use some, but on that same note, they, it didn't seem like they had a great bullpen most of this year either, and they still made it work. So maybe, maybe they'll keep trying to, you know, piecework that thing and get through there. Yeah, Le- Leclerc is one that um, I, I forget if we mentioned it on the previous podcast, but he's one of those guys right now that I'd just be very wary of drafting and expecting him to just be their closer. I I just don't. He's going, you know, he's, he's being drafted probably around eight to 10. I want to say, uh, I don't have his ADP. I, I don't have his I ADP haven't pulled up. It's, it's 13 or 14. So it's not as oh, it's, bad. Wow. Wow. I thought it was definitely earlier. Than well, that. he has a men pick of one Oh one. So maybe one of the drafts you were in, he was going. Yeah, there. definitely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's not, that's different, I guess. Yeah. I was, I, I want to say in, in one of mine, he went around eight or nine and I just remember, yeah, I just remember thinking, oh my God. I mean, for one, they could get anybody that's better than him and make them the closer. And for two, he hasn't, like he's shown this in the past of hot, cold and health issues. And yeah, there's no way i I wouldn't be too aggressive on him right now, but if he is the closer and holds it the whole year, I mean, he'll be fine. It's just, I think there's multiple paths to that not happening. I feel like we did talk about him about three or four weeks ago. Maybe it was on the one with your draft and maybe that's what we were talking about. Cause I think I remember saying like, how many years are people going to take this bait and fall for it? <laughs> yeah. At that rate, which round 13, 14, that is better, especially when you look at what else is out there. So that's yeah, a little more stom- yeah. stomachable. Um, Evan Carter, he's got an ADP of 129, and White Langford is 147. If you were to go into a coma or something, or let's just say you, if I'm looking at the NFBC ADP for just the month of March next year, who do you think is going to be going first in drafts starting March 1st on? Obviously, this is crystal ball. Uh, I don't know, but just taking a guess. Yeah, I, I I think Lankford. Um, but I mean, it is contingent on the hype kind of building with him being up early. But yeah, I would uh, I would predict as we get further from the crazy end of season run that Evan Carter had, and closer to the start of the year. I think Lankford for just March, but 
yeah, Carter's going higher now. Yeah, if Lankford is raking in spring training, it's going to get loud. People are going to keep bumping him up, and I think I'm with you. I think Lankford, and maybe it's March 15th on or something like that. I just have this feeling like he's going to go sooner in a lot of drafts as we get closer. Yeah, uh, and I mean, they've got they've got Leody Tavares and Ezekiel Duran penciled in right now. Mm-hmm. Center field and DH, and I mean, yeah, it's just there's a clear opening. He's arguably the best prospect in baseball or, you know, top handful anyways. So, yeah, he just needs to be up. Not a lot else to bring up with that lineup. It's a very good lineup. I think a lot of those players are really good players. Uh, over to the pitching side, I thought I'd bring up Max Scherzer. I don't think we've talked about him a lot. He gutted through the playoffs and to get that ring. I Googled because I couldn't remember if he had a championship before, and the answer is yes in 2019 with Washington. I was like, oh, yeah, duh. Couldn't remember if he was when also on the Dodgers when they won theirs, but I guess that was the year after. They won the 2020 World Series. Anyways, Max in 2023 threw 152 innings. He went 13 and 6, a 377 ERA and 174 strikeouts. But this was two second, two consecutive seasons in the 150 inning range. But his body does feel like it's starting to break down, and ADP's at 122. What are your thoughts on the price there for him? It's probably about right. I kind of have felt like when he's gone in my first couple drafts that it's about right. It's it's kind of this balance with guys like him and Verlander. Like, when is the shoe going to drop? Kind of did with both of them a little bit this mm-hmm. season. Not real drastically, but we know – you know, when they're the age that they are, that it can be real drastic, real fast, too. Um, and there were some some warning signs pop up, like the hard hit rate was up against him. And health, I just feel like the health is a growing concern, stuff like that. But I do think that he's also going at a fair spot, you know, like if he bounces back at all to even, you know, previous levels of not that long ago, you're looking at a clear bargain in round eight, nine, whatever it is. So especially the way pitching flies off the board in a lot of these drafts. So I don't, uh, I don't mind it. I don't know how many shares I'll have, but yeah, it feels like the right spot, at least right now. The other category that can get ignored because it is so luck-based, but he's in Texas. There, he's likely to get more wins on that squad, just because of that yeah. offense. It's the thing that we sometimes forget to look at. Yeah, and he's also one, just one of those guys too that. And I would say this about most of the older pitchers, but you're really you're you're fighting health the most, but you have like that. There's a really long. Or not long. I should say high ceiling for volume with a guy like that, as as long as he can stay out there, because they're gonna just they're gonna use him as much as they can. You know, they need him. He's obviously a really good pitcher, and all of that. Now there there could come a point late in the year where maybe they baby it a little bit if they're going to the playoffs and all that. But 
Um, sometimes with the young guys, it's like you're fighting performance and volume and, you know, it's just like multiple different things. And I really feel like with Scherzer, you're mostly just fighting. How long can he last? I mean, there, there may be slight dips in production, but you know what I'm saying? Like overall, he's a good pitcher and it's just how long will he be out there? Another like that's a good point. Another way I'd look at it is, I feel more confident that he's going to get a hundred to one hundred fifty innings than like a young arm who maybe is just coming up, and it just over and over again we see these guys come up and all of a sudden they blow their elbow out or something like that. It's the thing that's hard to predict, but it does happen so often with some of these young pitchers. To where if you told me one like him versus some young pitcher i'm going to use gavin williams name just because i see him closest to him amongst like uh, close to him on starters if you told me one of them was gonna blow an elbow out and throw 40 innings this year i would probably guess gavin williams over scherzer hope that doesn't happen but you know scherzer don't say that yeah i know we both have <laughs> shares and we don't want to think about that but you know anybody who owns a Tam- who's owned a tampa bay Rays starter the last couple years they're they're very familiar with how you know that can happen uh quick bonus here in game hitter um are you interested in either justin foskey or dustin harris uh in the end they've only gone in about like a third of nfbc draft so far as like a last round player interested in either one yeah maybe right at the end they're just flyers though yeah yeah both of them played a lot in triple a this last year so i think both of them have a chance but it's also a loaded roster that is one thing. Yeah, probably one where it would take an injury maybe. But, yeah, they could definitely get in there for sure. It's just I don't think you can really count on much. It's flyer at the end. Yeah, nothing you're prioritizing like I got to get one of these guys. Right. Okay, well, we're going to take a break, and we're going to talk about one more team before we talk about two crappy teams. We'll be right back. Actually, I got a new idea, Andrew. What if we just talk for a half hour about the Mariners and then call it good? Maybe, maybe that would be better. What do you hey, think? I'm down. I'm down <laughs> for whatever you want to go with here. There are probably three A's fans that would like to hear us talk. It, well, actually, I don't. I don't know if we've got enough of a of a of a fan base yet listening to this podcast to where we even have three A's fans. If you're an A's fan and you're listening to this. Please tweet us at Baseball365Pod and let us know you exist, and I will call you out next week on the episode. That's a promise. (laughs) Um, Okay, so the Mariners, they just missed making the wild card. Last three years of payroll, um, $103 million in 2022, and they've spent a little more the last two years at $137 million this year. They're projected at $136 next year. Uh, they got one significant free agent, and that's Teoscar Hernandez, who cost $14 million. Uh, they actually just traded away Eugenio Suarez, since I made these notes. Now that I think about it, that happened in the last couple days when I made the notes. So he's now in Arizona. What were your thoughts on that trade? Just real quick, did you have any thoughts? Or did you spend much time even thinking about it? No, not really. I was just thinking like, huh. just another, you know, another bat for Arizona, but... Yeah, I didn't. I didn't think too much about it. Pulling up How about you? 
I'm just pulling up their roster resource page now to see who's at their third base right now. Luis Urias. So everything I said about the spendings probably changed a little bit because I'm assuming, let's see, I'm trying to pull it up real quick. Seattle, well, it still shows them at 100. Right now it shows them at 126. So they did shave off about $11 million off of their spending, which I, makes me wonder if they're trying to stay at that $135 million range. And that's why they let him go, because right now Luis Urias, their third baseman, I don't think it made them a better, and I don't think they got a like some big return back. So, hmm, wonder what their plans are there. Anyways, Seattle went 21 years without making the playoffs before they made it in 2022. What's the biggest thing that needs to happen for them to become a t- contender this next year? Because they were on the doorstep to making the playoffs. Yeah, I think they need to I think they need to find some more bats. I mean, this lineup on here it actually looks like trash right now, but it'll be it'll be fine. They'll I mean, if if they are losing Tioscar, they'll get somebody else, I would think. I mean, they're they're going to have moves this offseason. They're going to make this look more complete. So, I feel like this is kind of a TBD thing, you know, yeah. but definitely offense. I mean, the staff is phenomenal. Sure is. Especially, especially, you know, they get Ray back mid season. I mean, yeah, the staff is right up there with the best in the league. So, and the bullpen is really strong too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I would just hitters. They need hitters, but I think that they'll, I think they'll add some. Yeah, just going through their lineup, I mean, they're four through nine right now is Ty France, Jared Kelnick, Cade Marlowe, Luis Urias, Dominic Canzone, and Josh Rojas. I, I, Yeah, that feels like incomplete right now. Yeah, yeah. There's just there's no way that that's going to be the lineup on opening day, you know? You would hope not. Um, let's talk about Julio Rodriguez. I don't think we've really talked about him much, honestly. Uh, finished the year with 32 homers and 37 steals. And it doesn't feel like it was talked about enough. I had forgotten that he went 30-30. He scuffled in the first half, but man, what a second half he had. Just in the second half post-All-Star break, he had a 308 batting average with 19 homers and 15 steals. That's a second-half MVP caliber player right there. Um, When I took these notes, I said Acuna is the 1-1 everywhere, and the questions start after him. And Andrew, somebody... I guess that's not the case anymore because somebody took Julio Rodriguez number one overall in one of their drafts. And like, can you justify that at all? I love, I mean, Julio is awesome, but Acuna just went 40, 70. No, I can't justify it. I think the only, so yeah, I, I had looked today. There's been 49 drafts on the site. And I just noticed that, Acuna's uh, max was two, meaning someone else went one, obviously. My guess for the guy that was going to be the first one to go one besides Acuna was Strider. Yeah. Because I just thought, well, if you're not going to take a hitter, that's different than taking a different hitter, you know? Um, But, yeah, I can't... uh, can't justify it. Not that he can't finish ahead of him, because yeah. he definitely could. 
But yeah, I think it's just getting a little too cute. Let me ask it this way then. Julio Rodriguez is at blank in my personal draft rankings right now. Uh, I think the two, three, and four slots, maybe five. For me, right now, I would probably just mix it up and take a different player. I probably wouldn't take the same player every time. If it was my main event draft and I had to pick today, I probably would take Julio too. But, like, if I'm drafting a bunch of dcs and i and i am just trying to like i have no problem with bets too i have no problem with bobby witt carol yeah like you name you know several guys that might that might actually be the extent but um and even you know even if you wanted to take a picture it's not what i would do but two is kind of a spot where i don't love picking because I actually I, I feel it's a it's a tough it's a tough decision. And yeah, I just I would rather kind of have the decision made for me, so to speak. It's probably a weak answer, but no. yeah, that's that's just how I feel about that group of guys. I like all of them. I think they're all firmly behind Acuna, but they're all very even have no issue with anyone liking any one of that group, maybe even a couple others. And yeah, I, but, but right. Like I said, if my main event draft was today and the season was starting tomorrow and I was at two and Acuna was gone, I'm probably taking Julio. We have our Rotomasters draft and hold draft coming up Monday. We're going to start that. We'll have Chris Winder on. We'll talk with him in about a month. I think, if I recall, I picked fourth in that. And honestly, if I don't have the number one overall pick, that's probably my second option. Just because of the, what, just like you said, two, three, four feel like, to me, Wit, Julio, Carroll, I'd take any of them and be very happy. So just let let other people make the pick for me unless someone <laughs> watched Strider go to and then I'm stuck <laughs> and I have to make that call. But four, I'd, I'm, I'd rather, yeah, I'm with you on it. I But if... Gun to my head, if I'm picking two, I think I am taking Julio second in one of those leagues that matters. But, again, it's it's splitting hairs. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely splitting hairs. Your, your leagues typically aren't one with those decisions. So yeah. it's like, you know, I, I just try not to – see, I'm more because I do a bunch of leagues. I don't want to take – I, I look at it from a broader perspective on like when I'm in a bunch of leagues, I don't want to just if I'm at two in every draft and Acuna goes one in every draft, what I'm just going to take Julio and have 100 percent ownership and then he gets hurt and every team is screwed. You know what I mean? Like that's just mm. that's how I look at it. I would rather have a handful of Julio, a handful of bats, a handful of wit, a handful of whoever, you know, mm-hmm. you pick and. And maybe I have more Julio if that's my preference, but you know it's different if you have one team, then you just do it exactly how you would do it. But when you have several teams, I'm trying to diversify at the top of the draft. And like I said, your draft's pretty much always not won or lost with that pick anyway. So, Yep, agreed. Uh, 
how about this? Bryce Miller, ADP 188. Brian Wu, 198. So those two are within picks, 10 picks of each other. Do you like one over the other straight up? And if so, who? Um, I think I actually like Wu a little bit more. But shows Miller in the rotation right now. I don't know how much stock to put into that. I don't, I don't put a ton of stock into it. If anything, I feel like it discounts guys that aren't listed in the starting lineup on roster resource. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's I think it's pretty close. They're I'm, both they're both interesting. Yeah, I'm not as well versed on Bryce Miller as Wu, but I I do really like Wu. I just feel like there could be a breakout coming with that guy that's next year. Bryce Miller, I mean, he he has a really good strikeout, or like he is really good at not. Have walking many guys. I mean, it honestly feels a lot like. Um, oh shoot, who's that guy at the top of there? Or Logan no, or George Kirby? Like, it, when I look at it, I'm like, huh. Like just looking at the surface numbers, I don't. I didn't own any shares of them, but that just feels very Kirby-ish when I look at it. So both of them look like good pitchers, though. I agree. Man, what a what a rotation! It's it is crazy. a heck of a rotation. Like you said, Robbie Ray's not even in it right now and could be back mid-season. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like you've got three guys just in this that are guys that could be in Cy Young contention, and then you got Robbie Ray who just won one a couple years ago. So, you, you yeah, could, it's, it's filth. You could draft four Mariners starters in the first 10, 15 rounds and have a very good rotation. You could literally have that yeah. be your top four. And it's like, that's a dang good rotation. Not saying I recommend doing it, but it's a good rotation. All right, let's talk about Jared Kelnick. What a monster he was in March and April. As of May 1st, he had a 308 batting average with seven home runs, five steals, 14 runs, and 14 RBI. And it looked like the breakout was happening. I remember we were talking about him. It felt like a nightly in some of our chats. But then May happened. And the rest of the season happened. And after May 1st, he had a triple slash of 235, 314 with a 356 slug, four homers and eight steals and 315 plate appearances. His WRC plus during that stretch was 88. And I think if I recall right, he broke his hand in frustration at one point, punching something um, and, you know, missed a good chunk there. So his ADP is 228. So we're talking 15th, 16th round. Are you buying him there? Oh, man. Gosh, this guy is just a headache. <laughs> yes, he is. Uh, I don't think so. I, I don't... Typically, when I see him go, I'm like, I get it, but... I just don't really believe. I, I don't think that, that, that he's even close to what we once thought he would be. And I know that you're not drafting him necessarily as that. But I feel like that is what keeps him going in this range, too. Mm-hmm. And he's not. He's just not that. I don't know what else to say. He just isn't. So. Yeah, I I like 
with with middle pick like middle round picks like that, I don't mind ta- I don't mind taking flyers and um oh, you know, I like this guy, I think he can break out or whatever, but there's time there's a lot of points in the draft where I'm like I like knowing what I'm going to get. Like hey, I'm going to draft Jorge Soler and I know I'm getting power or you know whatever it is. I have no clue what I'm getting with Jared Kelnick. Like when I'm drafting Jared Kelnick, what am I even drafting? I it feels like you're just drafting a hope and a prayer and maybe he's what we hoped he was a few years ago, but probably he won't be. You know, I just I have no clue what I'm getting. And it is a starting spot. I mean, you're drafting him well, well within your starting lineup. So. Yeah, it's I kind of get it because if it all works out, it could be five categories of good production, but just feel like that isn't that likely, I guess. Best way I can put it. You know, if you're in a draft and you're in that spot and you got an uh, outfield position open, maybe you got two outfield positions open, but you also have corner infield. I just went and looked up his ADP, a guy you took in your first draft and hold, and that's Junior Caminero, who's going at 219. So they're basically three picks apart. Like, are you, I'm guessing, I think I'd rather just take the chance on Caminero over Kelnick. Yeah. Are you too? Yep. Yeah. We're in this, like, so that brings me to my second question. Do you think there's ever a year where he becomes the star mini projector and become? And that just two years ago, people were thinking this. I mean, I won't say it's never going to happen because never is a long time. And he, he still has time. I mean, he's still young. It could still it's still possible. But um, what is he? Twenty four. Yeah, twenty four. Um but a lot of times there's there's guys like this where they'll have the prospect pedigree and that'll kind of keep them afloat ADP wise, you know, interest level wise, whatever. And then they'll just slowly fade off as people lose more and more faith in them. And that's not for sure going to happen to him. But like I said, I just round 15, 16 is still pretty real pick and just have no clue what I'm getting with this guy at all. Yeah. I'm with you. I just, it's been a roller coaster for two years and really he's at 900 plus. What did I just see? 974 on the plate appearances. So it's almost two full seasons of plate appearances. Not quite, but we've seen one month of production basically during that time. So yeah, I'm with you. Um, Let's see. I think that's all I have on the Mariners, unless you have something else you want to add. Or we, yeah, we could just circle back and talk about every other player and not and skip the other teams. I don't know. Looking at this lineup, we might be better off skipping. <laughs> that's true. But like I said, I know it's incomplete. It's just so bad to look at right now. All right, then. I guess we have to do this. It's time to talk about the. I like their. Uh, I like Munoz and Brash at the back of the pen. Yeah. That's fun. Those are good pitchers. Those are really good pitchers. What's Munoz ADP since he said that? Let's, uh, now I'm curious. I want to guess like 110, 115 maybe? 93 now. So he's talk, you're talking seventh round. 
Yeah. You are you willing to do that? I mean, there's a lot of uncertainty. Yeah. So many closures. Yeah, I'm willing to do it. I am too. I actually think he's. It's goodbye. I think he's one of those guys that could finish as the number one closer. Mm-hmm. And there's no, or there, if there is, there's not many of them past him that I would say that about. Brash is three or two, and he had he had some issues with walks and stuff this past year but i just think i think there could still be value in this pick even though it's expensive what about brash he's got an adp of 302 so you're I taking, like him too but you're taking him as a starter if you're taking him there like if you take munoz in the sixth seventh round are you actually going to try to follow up with brash just to try to i could see him? yeah i could see it because i mean i'm not not positive I would, but I could see doing it, yeah. I'd much rather take those guys in the reserve rounds. And maybe he could slip into them in some drafts. I mean, his max is three. Yeah. Six. I always kind of talk myself into that when I get to a certain point with relievers. Like, oh, I can just find somebody else. Yep. <clears throat> and then I just push them to all down as a result. But, but uh, the you know, if Brash is in – the closer role, he's probably vaulting right up to the this range where yeah. Munoz is at too. So, I mean, pick three hundred, not horrible. No, and you're getting yourself a good. You're going to get yourself good ratios and everything else by pitching, taking him too. It's kind of like a lot of lot of strikeouts. I think he had a, he had over a hundred or definitely at a hundred. I know that. That's like a Devin Williams a few years ago when Hader was still there. One of those types yeah. of picks where you may not get saves, but you're still going to get really good production out of the, everything else all right on to the angels they went 73 and 89 tumbled down the standings at the end of the year it was a colossal collapse that we have talked about plenty on here about how little sense it made uh, um their 2022 opening day payroll was 188 million this year it was 212 they went for it during otani's last contracted year and right now, their projected payroll is at $163 million. Free agents lost. They lost Otani and his $30 million. And then um, Randall Grichik, he, uh, I think he was a partial season there. He was traded for $10 million. Eduardo Escobar, Aaron Loop, Giovanni Ursula, Ursh, that is, uh, CJ Crone, and Jared Walsh, all gone. Andrew, the Angels had Trout and Otani together for six years and didn't make a single playoff appearance. Serious question. Is this the biggest fumble by an MLB organization in our lifetime? Man, it's just... This this organization is just so sad. This is... This is going to be the worst team in the league. For a while, I think, I, I think they're gonna, I think they're gonna end up trading Trout. What do you think? That was gonna be my first question: Is he on the opening day roster? Yeah, I think, I, think. I, I read something, and it was just like Twitter, so it wasn't a big deal. But I read somebody speculating that the Dodgers were gonna sign Otani and trade for Trout. Yeah, I saw that too. Man, Forget who wild. it was. But um, and I don't necessarily think that's going to happen. But what if the Cubs did? 
it's just I want the Cubs to get Otani, but <laughs> maybe they can do both. But yeah, this team is just gonna be it's just gonna be unwatchable. Like I feel bad if Trout has to stay there, right? It's awful for him. Hopefully not, but yeah, it's just so bad. Because the exciting part about watching the Angels the last couple of years has just been Otani. You know, Otani gives you a reason to turn that team on, you know. And now there's literally no reason to turn them on. Like, none. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it sucks. I mean, it it really does. It sucks. Because... This team is bad. There's not much help on the way. They're just going to be horrible for a while. Yeah, like if you're Zach Nito's mom, you're probably like, I think they have things where you can get alerted if you like you can follow a player and find out when they're at bat and you you can get notified then and turn the game on. I bet they're even doing that at this point. Zach Nito's close family members <laughs> or anything like that. It's bad. It's really bad. Um, Trout, you know, I, we're both, I think, leaning that he will get moved. I, but I'm not certain. I'm not certain on it. But I, I hope for his sake he does. His ADP is weird to see. He's right now at 64, and he's ranged between 23 and 149. Andrew, he actually went at the end of the 10th round in one of these drafts. If that's right, I know the ADP might be a little off, but can you imagine taking Mike Trout in the 10th round? Yeah, it's. That would have been crazy to see. I, I think in mine he went in the second and third. So, yeah, that's a big. That's a much different range. You know, yeah. In his actual ranks, he's right next to Jazz Chisholm, and I gotta say it was odd to see them next to each other. And then Yelich and Josh Lowe are the other two on the other side. It's just weird, but you know, thinking about him going sixty fourth, we're talking you know, fourth fifth round. You think you'll have many trout chairs this year? Oh man, I don't know. This is this is one where I I really do see all sides of it kind of. I mean, the price is down from where it's been, but it should be, right? Like he he hasn't been healthy. He doesn't run at all anymore. He he's literally now a power bat. Only a power bat with health issues. And you know, he'll hit for a palatable average. I mean, he hit 263 this year, but I would project him for higher than that. Um I still think when healthy, he's one of the best Hitters in the game, you could probably argue he's the best hitter in the game. But, I mean, every year that this happens, which has been every year, it's it just makes you wonder a little bit more, you know? And when he's in there, even though, you know, I'm saying some of these things, it's it's not like it's overly special fantasy production. Just, just from a fantasy standpoint you know Mm -hmm. you're not you're not getting any steals he's got one two one and two in the last four seasons um with new rules deals right and then the team obviously right now the team context around him sucks 
their health issues. You know, 308 at bats last year, 438 the year before, 117 the year before, and these are all three in full 162 game seasons. So, yeah, I mean, I think it. You know, when when he's in there, obviously he's he's going to be productive. He's going to be good, but you could say that about every hitter that's going in the range that he's going too. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. It's it's a tough one for me. Would you rather have him straight up against Jazz? I think it just depends on my team, and probably like my mood that day. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Do you need? I don't feels? really have a strong feel for it. I mean, Jazz. Per game, I mean, Jazz is going to give you the the category juice, you know, but they're just so different. Like they're just different players. They're different players. What's fun. Oh, I shouldn't say funny, but what's odd is they're both those players where you like, it's hard to project them to play a lot like a season. They're both that way with, you know, a per game basis. They can both be pretty good, but man, I could make an argument for jazz over them. And, Oh, I definitely, I definitely could. Yeah. I think I might rather take jazz straight up. But, you know, it's uh, that that just, you know, a couple years ago, that was it was terrible to say anybody over Trout. And now we're talking about this. Like, I mean, here's here's his steamer. So Trout steamer, 258, 37 home runs, 100 runs, 95 RBI, three steals, 146, 146 games. Um now, if he does that, it's a good season, obviously. But I don't know. Like, do you think he's going to play 146 games? No, I, and, I, like, I would give I mean, big odds. Doesn't that, that he hasn't done that since 2016? By the way, mm-hmm. which I know that those are, you know, they've got guys projected for more games the the games played projection isn't really that relevant but i'm just saying that even if he did that and put these numbers up i don't feel like you're stealing him at pick whatever it is 64 64. yeah actually you said that when you gave me those stats i went and looked up nolan arenado's adp because honestly i read that and i was like that doesn't feel much different than nolan arenado Nolan yeah, Arenado's I mean, got a 91 is. ADP. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, but there, there's people, and I'm not even necessarily saying these people are wrong, but there's people out there that will just trust in the brand name, though. It's like they're comfortable with it because they know, it's like it's Mike Trout, you know? And they're comfortable with that. Like, there's there's a spot pretty quick in drafts where you can kind of be like, you know, you can start finding warts and hitters. I mean, pretty quick. So I kind of see both ends, but I think when you really just look at the fantasy production, I mean, he's still really good at taking walks and he's still a great real life player when he plays, but when he plays, it's just been, man, 
he needs out of he needs off that team. Get him on the Dodgers or somewhere else. That was going to be my follow up. Is we were just talking about our you know how we feel about him and his ADP right now. How much does it change if he actually let's just hypothetically say what you just saw on Twitter? He goes to the Dodgers along with Otani. What? How much does that change your thoughts? Uh, it does some. It definitely does some because that lineup's just so insane. I think his I think his ADP goes up though for sure. For sure, uh, yeah. That's like the thing. into, I bet forties. Yeah, I was gonna say round three. Yeah. I I actually think that his ADP would would go up from this, um, even without that. I but, can see that. But yeah. Yeah, I would say like round three. Which probably has me feeling the same way about him as I do right now. It's I just don't know if that's a pick for me. All right. So yeah, yeah, it's t- it's a tough one to evaluate. With this team burning, one topic I thought of was um, surely this opens some at-bats for some players. You know, they still have a few veterans clogging holes for them on this team, though, as I was looking. Anthony Rendon is there, and he is going to be making $38 million for each of the next three seasons, Andrew. I got to say, I'll just stop right there and say, while making notes for this team, I just couldn't, like, I kept stopping and just shaking my head and just disgust about how dysfunctional this organization is. That's a million per bet. <laughs> Maybe even more. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, does Joe Adele? Let's talk about him. Just I was trying to think of people that could get at bats, and I thought of Joe Adele. Does he get three hundred and fifty at bats in the majors this next year? I think he, I think he probably should. I mean, don't you kind of just have to do that one year and just see what happens? I mean, it seems like it would make a lot of sense to just do it. Now, especially especially if they get rid of Trout, I yeah. Mean, then they're not playing. Then for it's anything. a no. Yeah, they're not playing for anything. I mean, and I I'm not even sure it would go well, but you just have to see what's there. I think. Are you, let him play. No, don't jerk him around. Just let him play and see what happens. His ADP Adele is at 600, which is basically like the 40th round. Do you think you'd be interested in him there? I could see, yeah, I could see taking a flyer on him. Yeah, I think I, I would too. I mean, I I think the the at bats they should be there at some point, and I would think like well, I don't know what his career high in at bats is in the majors, but I would think that this year he passes it, whatever that number is. I don't have it offhand, but yeah. Um, but the Angels don't always do what makes the most sense, so um, no guarantees. But I just think you have to kind of throw them to the fire and see what happens. You know, it's just it's time. He's going to be twenty five, right about you know first week of the season. I mean, former elite prospect, obviously, and we're we're way past that, but. Stranger things have happened, I guess. I just you don't know until it's yeah, career high's two eighty five. So I think he gets yeah, I think he should get three fifty. Are there any other value picks and drafts for some of the 
Angels hitters this year that you could see? Uh, I I actually like Neto quite a bit. I think he's I think he's a guy that could hit high in the lineup for them. Um, young with pedigree, power and speed. Definitely think he's intriguing where he's being drafted. I actually took him in my last one, like I want to say round eighteen, maybe. Yep, I like him. Um, and yeah, honestly, not really. I don't mind uh, Brandon Drury. Actually, I think Brandon Drury has been pretty underrated the last couple years. He had a heck of a year, uh, wasn't that in San Diego a couple years ago? Yeah, and I mean, last year he was he was really good again. Um, Fifty four homers, the last two seasons combined. I think that's like twenty seventh in baseball. I was looking at the other day. So, yeah, he's he's been pretty good the last couple seasons, um, and worth pointing out on this crap team, but. Yeah. Yeah. I like, he's got the eligibility too. You know, yep. you can kind of move them all around and nice for draft and holds should I, have playing time. I mean, when you have two seasons like this, you're going to, it buys you more opportunities and he's got pop and doesn't really kill you anywhere. I, I, um, I don't mind jury. Yeah. I kind of like Ringifo for the, all the playing time, like the four positions of eligibility too for that. Yeah. But, so, yeah, there are a couple bats there that are interesting as in to get at bats and, you know, could should give a little production there. Uh, and are you interested in any pitchers on this squad? I mean, they got, a f- like, Detmers there, Carlos Estevez, anybody else? Um, I took Silseth in my last draft. He intrigues me a little bit. I feel like he should definitely be in the rotation. You would think. Um, he had a he had a run last year that was pretty good, a little bit, but a few starts, you know. Um, Detmer is still somewhat intriguing, though. You know, disappointed a little bit, but yeah, I man, it's just a bad team, you know. And it's going to be hard to get wins on this team. Um, I feel like this year they should just kind of throw a lot of their young players out there and just give them time in the bigs, see who can break out. I'm sure they'll have a guy or two that surprises and breaks out. They've got um, Nolan Shenwell, the mm-hmm. guy they drafted last year that came up. Um, Ohapi's interesting. I like him. A little bit, yeah. Uh, you know, they have like individual pieces that are, some of them are interesting, but the thing is, like, none of them are really locks for anything either. So it's just what will probably wind up happening is a couple of them will be good, a couple of them will be bad, and they'll just still be a bad team, you know? Like, even though I like Neto, he's not a lock for anything. It's still kind of a flyer. I mean... At the bottom of a terrible lineup. Yeah. And I and I think he could get towards the top of yes. it, but... But yeah, it's just it's just a it's just an ugly team. And the farm is ugly too, you know. It's just there's no there's just nothing exciting that's coming and yeah, have fun, Angels fans. I have multiple friends it's that are gonna be bad. 
diehard Angel fans, and I feel for them because they, I mean, like, the Angels deserve what they have in front of them right now, in my opinion, for how terribly dysfunctional I've been. But I feel bad for their fans because I know a couple really good Angel fans, and, yeah, they deserve better. Yeah. And speaking of deserving better, let's get to the Oakland A's and their fan base um, who have lost their team. They're getting ready to go to Vegas. And they went 50-112 and 112 this last year, which was the worst record in baseball. Andrew, I go back and forth on who it would be worse to be a fan of, uh, like being a fan of teams like the Rockies and Angels, who will actually go out there and spend some money, but in the most ignorant of ways, or being a fan of a team like the A's or Pirates who don't spend money and aren't ran well. Which sounds worse to you? You know, I was... I was thinking about this when I saw it in the notes. I don't know. I think I would rather be a fan of the teams that spend. And I mostly say that just because you at least have the players to like typically those teams will still have one or two players that you can go and, you know, like Trout and Otani. I mean, Mm -hmm. as much as we bag on the Angels, Angels fans have still gotten to go see Trout and Otani every night, you know? So I think I would prefer that to having a team that just didn't do anything and and that still had no chance, you know? Let so. me ask you this then. I you use the Angels as the example with Trout and Otani. Who have the Rockies fans gotten to go see the last few years? Nobody the last <laughs> few, but 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 there was a time where they had like cargo and yes, Tulowitzki and yes. like they've the had A's and Pirates. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, a, hopefully for the Pirates, they'll have. Skeens and O'Neill Cruz will be fun. You know, like that those two will at least be exciting and Brian Reynolds is good and stuff. But um tch, like there's just I don't know, it's just less interesting when you know the team isn't even gonna spend any you know that spend any money if they ever get a good player that they're gone. Like, I feel like those teams ceiling is like a wild card berth. Mm-hmm. You know, like in a in a perfect world, a wild card berth, and they're probably done. Like, it's hard to compete. All of your logic is good and sound. But, and I don't think my logic I'm about to say is, but I think I would rather be a fan of the Pirates or the Ace for this one reason. It would be easier for me not to care. I think I would just be so yeah. angry all the time at watching my team actually be willing to spend money and do it in the most dysfunctional ways over and over again, that it would make me hate them. It would just make me so angry that I think I would rather just be the fan of like, I grew, I grew up here in Missouri and there's the Royals that are just three hours away. And you know, when I was a kid, I was a Cardinals and Royals fan equally. I loved them both. And with the Royals, I just kind of quit caring because I realized that they were an organization that just didn't care during the era about 20 years ago. And I don't know. I think I like even when I see them do things for the most part, even though I 
you know, they're not my team anymore, but I'm just like, oh, okay, whatever. They, I think I would be angrier. <laughs> so for my own blood pressure, I think I'd rather be a fan of the team that just doesn't spend. Okay, so let's talk about the A's. Um, let's talk about these massive payrolls that they've spent. Uh, 40, $47 million in 2022. That's almost as much as, or just a little more than Justin Verlander made this last year. 2023, a whopping $56 million, And right now their projected opening day payroll is $34 million. So they actually could go out there and add a couple pieces this winter, but um, I wouldn't expect them to be anything major. Free agents, there aren't many. They must have traded their pieces who were making money last year, um, blanking on who they were. I couldn't think of anybody they moved. But only Tony Camp, Kemp and Drew Rosinski are players that are off the books from the end of the season. Um, Oakland has a grand total of five players in the top 500 of NFBC ADP dra- um, draft so far, Andrew. That's worse than the White Sox, who we were just laughing about couple weeks ago about having four or five guys in the top 400 so that was rather shocking for me to see i was like wow this is actually worse um it's bad let's try to talk about a few interesting names we both just crapped on drafting Esther ruiz last week if you want to know why we don't like him in drafts go listen to that show and we're gonna go i'm gonna move to zach giloff um giloff giloff i can't remember he's interesting to me and right now he's projected to go 2020 by steamer. I think 2020, 21 homers, 20 steals to be exact, and his ADP is 137. Are you interested in him, Zach? Yeah, I don't, I don't mind his um, his cost. I think being with Oakland is probably keeping it down from what it could be or would be without that. Um, but I also, I also just feel like too with a guy like that, there's there's no locks with him either. He had a huge year, um, I think between AAA and the bigs, it was twenty six home runs and thirty four steals. Yep, that's correct. So yeah, that's uh, that's really nice. He's gonna get all the run in the world on that team, but. I don't know. We'll see how much it equates to, you know, it's, I could see it kind of going either way, but I am interested in him somewhat at that price. Yeah. I think it's pretty fair. Uh, but I, I'd be a little careful just counting on this 2020 projection. Like it's still pretty steep, you know, you still got to do it. So. And with that 2020 that they are even projecting, that comes with 76 runs and 67 RBI. So that goes back to the thing that get, can get forgotten about in these when you draft a lot of these guys is you're going to be hurting on runs and RBI, most likely, in terms of drafting a bunch of players on teams like this. Because very rarely are they out there getting, you know, 100 of either. Right. Uh, Mason Miller, he did come up with Oakland early in 2023 with a lot of buzz and excitement, but then he was hurt and gone for a while, missed four months with arm trouble and pitched him relief in September. He had an ADP of 268 right now, which is around the 18th and 19th round. Would you be willing to grab him as a back end starter for your rotation? Man, I didn't realize he was going that high. Me either. Where has he been going? 
I'll verify that real quick just to make sure. I've... Yeah, no, I'm sure you've got it right. I just didn't realize it was. 268, yeah. Yeah. It's too uh, good for he, my blood. He's, he's crazy talented. I, I mean, just on talent alone, I think it's fine, but. You ever watch this guy throw a pitch? I feel like he's gonna hurt, get hurt every single time he throws a pitch. Uh huh. It's just so painful to watch. But yeah, he's nasty. I mean, um, he's just he's had so many injuries. I don't even know, like, what to feel like you're gonna get out of him innings wise. Uh, wins will be non-existent because not only is the team terrible, but just how deep he's going to – like how many five-inning starts will he even log? I mean, I don't even know how many five-inning starts did he log this year. Not Let's many. See. He had two in the bigs. And he pretty much just has to dominate from start to finish to get to that. Um, in fairness, he only had six starts in the bigs, but – but yeah, that's my that's my thing with him. I almost feel like he would be a nasty closer or something. But I don't think that this team should do that because they're desperate for more than that. So but yeah, it'd be cool to see him as a closer on like a good team or something. That'd be fun. Yeah, that'd yeah. be fun. Lots of fun. But yeah, yeah. It's I uh Probably there will probably be somebody more interested than me. Yep. In I, most of my drafts. I mean, I'm looking at pitchers that are going 60, 70, 80 picks later in, in this ADP, and I'm like, yeah, I'd rather have that guy straight up. So, yeah, I'm definitely out on him. Uh, there you go. I, I, I came up with a couple there. Is there anybody else in this terrible squad, maybe somebody that you think could get some at-bats that could, um, you know, want to discuss before I mercifully end this show? Um, I wonder a little bit about Tyler Soderstrom. Okay. Just because you have the chance of having a is he did he play any catcher? Well, he doesn't have eligibility right now because I just I know he does. Learned. Yeah. Hang I on. I knew he did. Give me a second while you talk about him and I'll look. I knew he didn't, but um I was thinking that that's something that he could possibly get if he got a handful of games there. I could be off on that though. That may not be Tyler. Sol- may- oh yeah. He played 15 games there this year and 10 games at first base. So that's interesting. So he could actually Wait, game. Why, like, why would, why would he not have eligibility then? Cause he played 18 games at DH. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's what it was. I remember looking at that and thinking like he could get it. Yeah, so he that, played more at DH. Yeah, but that that right yeah. there says he could be a catcher. Yeah, eligible so if he's catcher eligible, then you know that I think it could be interesting just because anybody with a pulse that's a catcher, and then on this team he also should probably have at least potential opportunities, you know. So and even as a guy that maybe doesn't catch all the time and plays that's other positions, call. gives him playing time. Yeah. I kind of interests me a little bit, but only with the catcher eligibility. So early in the season, you know, it might be one where it takes him a while to get it too. Maybe only but until like guy, May. 
But a guy that like from maybe June on or something is kind of interesting to own. But. Yeah. Yeah, that seems like a good third catcher to grab right there if you can sneak that through. I like Yeah, that. I don't I don't mind like late flyers on like Blade, Lawrence Butler. Um guys are gonna get at bats, but yeah, it's just tough. It's bad team. At bats do matter, I mean in draft and holds especially, so finding those guys you know, there's some value in that, especially because all these guys are going to be cheap. I mean, the only the only guys on this entire roster that you're paying anything for is basically Joe off Estre Ruiz. And that's pretty much it. That's it until you're I mean, basically into the 18th round. Like yeah. Mason Miller. Yeah. So, yeah. And who knows who their closure is going to be? This team's a shit show. Yes, it is. <laughs> and I don't need to talk any more about it unless you have something else to say. Trevor May, he retired. I just saw his name just now, and I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah, he retired, so he's not even going to be there. So Yeah, it's... Have you heard anything about their park when they go to Vegas? Like, I think it's in a year or two, right? Hang on, let me look. Wait, what did you just say? Don't Isn't it in like a year or two that they go there? When are th- oh it's not they're not going there this year? No, they're not supposed to play there till twenty twenty eight. Oh wow, okay. So they go. they still that's just the quick thing I saw off of NPR. Let's see. Wow, I was way off on that. I thought that was immediate. Where will they play in twenty twenty four? Shows you potential. shows you how much shows you how much I care about this team. <laughs> they're actually their lease expires following so expired follow expires following the 2024 season and they could be playing in the Coliseum San Francisco's Oracle Park or Las Vegas Park ballpark where the AAA Aviators play that's one thing I'm gotcha. seeing off of CBS News in okay. August so yeah that they this could they might they're without a home from 2025 to 2027 right now Interesting. that's crazy yeah that's interesting I was just curious about the ballpark, but if it's that far away, I don't care that much. But No, but that's interesting for next offseason because, you know, Oakland is a terrible ballpark for hitters to play in. Like, that's always been a big pitcher's park. And so, they're playing it, so they're playing at Oco next year, yes. like the same place they've played. Last year they'll be doing it, yes. Jeez. So, yeah, that's good. I mean, what's, that's their, gonna be what's their average attendance going to be? bad and they'll probably do another one of those deals like they did this year where they stage a game where they fill this stadium up and 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 basically have chance the whole game to cause another just mess <laughs> like do you remember that when they yeah the stadium we were all chanting sell the team yeah you yep. those fans deserve better it stinks that's a that's a storied franchise that has had some pretty cool moments like from my childhood the ricky henderson Mc- you know, McGuire, Canseco, they were in like World Series, like two or three in a row, I think. And they've gone from that to this. They deserve better. Yeah, no doubt. And on that note, 
We're going to get out of here because I don't need to talk anymore about these last two depressing franchises. And next week, we actually have more fun franchises, just the Colorado Rockies we're going to finish up with. So I'll, I'll, there will be ranting, but there's a lot of fun in that, or, in that division too. So, yep, last division, and we both start the Roto Masters, Roto Masters draft and hold on Monday. Yeah, yeah, that'll be fun. I mean, we're probably not going to spend much time talking about that, but I pick fourth. I think you're sixth, right? Sixth, yeah. yeah. I haven't made a draft pick since like month, Sunday or Monday. So you've got to be. I like. Are are you twitching? Took a yet? break. <laughs> took a break this week. Yeah, I kind of finished the last one up, and I was like. Well, I can either jump in another one, have some overlap, or take a week off. And with Thanksgiving and all that, I was like, yeah, it's a good week to just take a break. But I'll be ready Monday. Yeah, this will be my first draft, and this will probably be whenever I'm ready to go for, like, I don't know if I'll go more than three or four days without drafting the rest of the offseason until I'm done done. Yeah. So it's time to get started for the, yeah. the sick freaks like we are. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of people are like, wait, what? You're doing what? Drafting baseball? You do realize football's going on right now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Always room for baseball. Always room for baseball. And that's why we do this all year long. So we'll be back next week talking the NF. I almost said NFC. (laughs) The National League (laughs) West. And until then, take care, everybody. Yeah, take care, guys. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. Once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year. 